Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about Black on the Air, hosted by the one and only, the great one, Larry Wilmore. Even though he's a Lakers fan, I still like him. I think he's talented. But he has all kinds of guests on, from Neil deGrasse Tyson to Al Franken to Bernie Sanders. You name it, they're coming on. Pop culture, politics, newsmakers. And then at, at the beginning of every podcast, Larry does a little riff about whatever is either sticking in his car or things that he's enjoying. Although he has been enjoying much lately the way the world's gone. But uh, Larry will riff on anything. And then he has guests on. It's great. If you liked everything else that he's done, comedy-wise, if you love this Comedy Central show, you will love this podcast. It is a medium that he was built for. It's called Black on the Air, hosted by Larry Wilmore. Get it wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Today is a serious jam session. Moments ago, it's Thursday, October 4th, like an hour ago, the New York Times posted a very damning article about uh, accusing Harvey Weinstein of basically uh, sexual harassment for over three decades at the Weinstein Company and before that at Miramax, his previous company. Before this story broke, we were going to talk about Kesha. Yes, and Rolling Stone profile. And Kesha is on the cover of Rolling Stone. It's a very... It's actually a hopeful profile. She seems to be in a good place, which is great. I love her new music, by the way. Yes. But obviously Kesha has been going on, a, has been part of a struggle for the past yeah. few years. Her career was derailed because she was in, she's been, she it remains in litigation against her former collaborator and producer, Dr. Luke, who she also accused of sexual harassment, basically. Yes. And that case is ongoing and in the Rolling Stone piece she talks about how she actually can't talk about it anymore and wants to move forward Uh, and we do not know the details but the sense that she was in an uncomfortable position and her career was owed to a man of power who man with power who was not using his power responsibly goes throughout the piece and then is also echoed today by a delightful profile in the New York Times of Juliet's favorite singer Pink (laughs) I'm 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 shaking my fifth fist in triumph because I love Pink. I'm just so happy. But anyway, back, and it's back to the topic. Can it's great. I mean, in the profile, Pink roast uh, makes a roast chicken for the writer, which is very charming. Well, we're, well, she doesn't have them on, but she was nearby. Her her sandals were lying around the house, and they say "frigid whore." <laughs> right. So it's great. But so it, is she on the record. I'm just going to read the quotes that she said that yeah. Pink says about Dr. Luke. I don't know what happened, she said of Kesha's much-publicized claims that Dr. Luke was sexually and verbally abusive. But I know that regardless of whether or not Dr. Luke did that, this is his karma and he earned it because he's not a good person. I have told him that to his face and I do not work with him, she added. He doesn't do good business. He's not a kind person. He doesn't do the right thing when given ample opportunities to do so. And I don't really feel that bad for him. Dr. Luke declined to comment. That's why I love Pink. Seriously. That's that's not the only yeah. reason why, but it's one of them. The theme here is men in positions of power and women with less power mm-hmm. and allegations of misbehavior by the men in those positions of power. And it's it's a common refrain. Yeah, this absolutely. Is, we have heard this before from people in similar situations. I think what's a little less common here is that, you know, These are hard. It's hard to talk about these issues. It's hard to come forward, uh, both because of the scrutiny and kind of the shame that is projected on women that talk about these things. Absolutely. 
And also because you're reliving a pretty uncomfortable at best and traumatic at worst experience yeah. in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're talking about here is a group of women like Kesha, Ashley Judd, but also the women who spoke to the New York Times, both anonymously and not anonymously and not who are willing to talk about these things, which is difficult and rare. And I think we both admire them immensely for that. 100%. It takes a lot of courage. This is from, by uh, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. I'm sure if you go to NewYorkTimes.com, this will be prominently uh, promoted for the next couple of days. Uh, this is the this is the lead. Two decades ago, the Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein invited Ashley Judd to the Peninsula Beverly Hills Hotel for what the young actri- actress expected to be a business breakfast meeting. Instead, he had her sent up to his room where he appeared in a bathrobe and asked if he could give her a massage or she could watch him shower, she recalled in an interview. Quote, how do I get out of the room as fast as possible without alienating Harvey Weinstein? End quote. Miss Judd said she remembers thinking. So we should also say that these are allegations and that Harvey Weinstein denies them. Yeah. And in fact, he is going to sue the New York Times. His lawyer, Charles Harder, released the following statement today. The New York Times published today a story that is saturated with false and defamatory statements about Harvey Weinstein. It relies on mostly hearsay accounts and a faulty report apparently stolen from an employee personnel file, which has been debunked by nine different eyewitnesses. Again, that's... For the record, that's just what Charles Harder is saying. Yes, that's Charles Harder. We sent the Times the facts and evidence. They ignored it and rushed to publish. Again, Charles Harder's version of things. We are preparing the lawsuit now. All proceeds will be donated to women's organizations. So that's their official statement for now. I think it's also worth pointing out that Charles Harder is the lawyer who is used to re- who was used to repeatedly sue Gawker. Yes, most notably Hulk Hogan's lawyer. Yes. Uh, so he is who you call... When you are press averse. Um, The other quote that I wanted to read from Ashley Judd in this article, women have been talking about Harvey amongst ourselves for a long time, and it's simply beyond time to have the conversation publicly, which is, again, a theme that seems to be through all of these articles is that uh, there are many reports of women working for these men and kind of talking about it behind the scenes. And there's a very heartbreaking detail in the Times article about how when a, a woman would go to a meeting at the Weinstein Company, they said that standard practice is that they would try to bring another woman mm. to be in twos. Mm. Um, but so it, it's a theme throughout all these pieces. Yeah. And I just, I admire anyone who is brave enough to talk about these things in public, like Ashley Judd, like Pink, like Kesha also. Yeah, and I think one thing that's just really undeniable, and Pink hits it on the head, mm-hmm is that so much of this feels reactionary to the president because we're almost a year out from the crazy uh, tape leaking of him and Billy Bush and he's talking about grabbing women by the post and uh, you can bleep that tape or not. The president said it on, on tape and we all heard yeah, it. You can go listen to it on YouTube. Yeah, so. it's, cra- it's crazy. So uh, it feels to me more urgent. Like there's um, with with someone in that position of power who has been um, exposed to speak that way, it feels like these stories are even more important. And I, I don't think it's coincidental. There's obviously no there's no um, evidence for that, but it just feels like a, a groundswell about like talking talking out because it, it feels more relevant and, like I said, more urgent. So I think we should also say that this is just, it's still not an easy thing to do. And it does, I, I would agree with you, it certainly feels more urgent and... 
it feels like we're seeing more of these stories, which is both really depressing, but also does feel like something is changing. I feel like the Cosby, the Cosby case yeah. was a major, was a turning point in terms of how we talk about these cases publicly and you know, I don't want to say women feeling like they can come forward. This is a really hard thing to do. Totally. I don't think that we should. New York Magazine, I think, did like a service when they did their issue that had all of the women that came forward. Yeah. Because there's sort of like the the visual of like all of these women like together have made statements was really impactful and just shows you like how widespread it is. And that's like a true like power. Not, not only is it widespread, there's also then like the power of numbers of like all these women talking at the same time. Yeah. And I think there's a really striking detail in this New York Times piece about the Weinstein Company, which is it is portrayed as widespread. There are a lot of people who have been talking about it since the story broke. It's like it's an open secret. Yeah. Everyone knew this and there was no paper trail until today. Uh, but there's a detail in the story that none of these, the women who reportedly received settlements knew about each other, right. which is pretty heartbreaking, but is also indicative of how this works. Right. Like just, it's like a silencing mechanism. Exactly. A settlement also like silences it. Exactly. And so it, in that sense, it's again, respect to Ashley Judd, respect to Pink, Respect to Kesha and respect to Pink for having her back. Totally. Uh, it's important to note that those are women who do have some power themselves and they have support. And um, I don't want to diminish what they're doing at all, but you do have to think about all the people who don't can't feel quite as brave. Sure. Um, but you do kind of hope this is a turning point. I, like you have to, I guess. Yeah. Because how else are you going to go to work every day? I, I hope it is. Yeah. That said, we should talk about the statement that Harvey Weinstein uh, made this morning. Yes, released to the New York Times. This was before he announced his intention to sue. Yeah, way before. Yes, and before he gave an interview to the New York Post that we could also talk about. But the, let's start with the statement. Sure. This statement is so preposterous that I fear that it will outshine the reporting that is done in the point. New York Times article, and I feel that it will outshine Ashley Judd, and we shouldn't let it do that. I mean, the stories are what allegedly happened to these women. Yeah. But this statement that Harvey provided, Harvey Weinstein provided to the New York Times, which they just ran as a PDF, and he clearly wrote it himself. If a publicist helped him write this, then that publicist should no longer be employed. It's also written um, in the default font of Microsoft Word. I was going to ask you to do a font check on this. <laughs> yeah, this is the default. I think it's Calibri. It's like no one chooses this. It's just given to you. <laughs> it is just an astonishing encapsulation of um man in a position of power who has no idea what he's done wrong, even as he's trying to apologize for it. Here's the beginning. I came of age in the 60s and 70s when all the rules about behavior and workplaces were different. That was the culture then. Which, okay. I, That's like saying it's locker room talk. It's beyond saying it's locker room talk. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm saying like in the 60s, this would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, I have since learned it's not an excuse in the office or out of it to anyone. It goes on for a while. He talks about how he's brought on a therapist and he plans to take a leave of absence from the company to deal with this issue. It then quotes uh, the recent Jay-Z song, 444, but it's more of a summary than an actual direct quotation of the song. Then there's this line, which I can't get past, which is, I've been trying to do this for 10 years and this is a wake-up call, which we can come back to. Sure. 
And then it goes into a kind of word salad thing about how he's going to be working for the NRA. and Working against the NRA. I'm sorry, working against the NRA to defeat the NRA. And he gave... Five million to a scholarship for women, and then something about his bar mitzvah. It's just like a very much like here's why I'm still a good person, yeah. even though, which is not, no, that's not how you make an apology. Yeah, and then I think also ending with it will be named after my mom, and I won't disappoint her. One crutch that I really don't appreciate among men is like referencing the the women they're related to when they are accused of like um, something that is like abusive towards women even if it's not sexual it's like oh, just like a verbally abusive or misogynistic like cool you have a mom like because you have a relationship with a woman doesn't mean that you can't be misogynistic or act out of line i'm just and like i think probably referencing your your mother in this way is almost more disrespectful than just acting better yeah and then of course he immediately announced his intention to sue the new york times for 50 million dollars and then, Juliet, he gave an interview to the New York Post, page six. It's where everyone goes to clear their you name. You know what? I almost don't want to read the quotes because, again, I, like it's important that Harvey Weinstein will be the story and he is the story, but this is just gross and he spends a lot of time. It's a pretty nimble, non-denial denial. Yeah. He acknowledges that he did something wrong. And yeah. he has like behavior to fix, but then he also spins it around to be like the Times is irresponsible and Ashley Judd's going through a lot, so I understand where she's coming from. It's almost like he's furthering her victimization by making it seem like she's like weak or soft because she's going through stuff. Yeah, this is an interview that is trying to cast blame on the women. Yeah. And that is just and not okay. That's yeah. not okay. Not good. Um and you know, I think kind of the lesson this afternoon is that this is not over. This is just kind of chapter one of this yeah. story. And I think probably m- more stories will come out and there will also be a legal battle. One thing that's exciting about Ashley Judd and Pink and Kesha, just to a lesser extent, just because of um, her, her the length of her career, is Ashley Judd and Pink both, I think, f- the way they're acting indicates they kind of have nothing to lose, which I think is awesome because if I were them, I actually would not feel that way. I, You know, as as the Pink article points out, it's very hard to be a um, pop singer over 35 and still be successful without doing a residency in Vegas. And um, Ashley Judd, you know, it's also really hard to get, like, great roles for someone like Ashley Judd, who's been around for two decades. And so their speaking out is exciting and different because it's sort of like, fuck the system. I think this is more important. I'm going to talk about it, and I'm I'm, going to worry about my career after. And I I do... it does feel like with the big little lies momentum, like there's like more of like a um, creative support for um, women who are like taking control of their careers, um, which is cool to see. And like, I don't know, I find Pink so inspiring. So <laughs> I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I hope that's true because, you know, in addition to all this, it just exposes kind of that men are still in control, of, yeah. as you said, of all the creative structures. And when you are young and you are trying to be a success, you don't have leverage. You don't have power. And it would be nice to see that change. Yeah, absolutely. It would circumvent a lot of problems. It, totally. Well, the, also, the exciting, most exciting thing about Kesha, and I mentioned this before, yeah. is that her album is awesome. Yeah, like, you love the album. It's really good. Praying is a great song. Uh, I also love Woman. 
where it's like I don't know. It's just it's different, and she's singing more. There's like less production, but I think it's a really good pop record, and I'm like really happy about that. It was really successful. Well, yeah. it was successful for well. a pop record. I will also say I think so. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone and its article by Brian Hyatt, and mm-hmm. something I really liked in the article was that it talks a lot about how she's changed and. Her new sound, and she's doing kind of all the record nerd stuff that she always wanted to do growing up. But she is also very kind about her early career. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not disowning it. I'm still glad that I did it. I wouldn't take it all back. Which, I, I that's a fraught subject because obviously she worked with Dr. Luke on it. Yeah. And it has always been unclear how much of it was Kesha's own vision and how much of it was forced upon her and the most uncomfortable thing about that was that early Kesha was very good and a lot of people really liked it Uh, your love is my drug is a great pop song i i love both of those albums and i think timber not sick of it yeah come on but there's something that i really admire and something extremely i have a lot of respect for the fact that she's able to keep those with her and give people permission to like them i think that that is I, I was glad to see that. I, it made me feel better as a person who listens to that music. Absolutely. It's also like, I will not give Dr. Luke all of these songs. Like, these are my songs, too. Yeah, absolutely. Which is cool. I mean, she's got hits. She, like, as some might say, I think, she's got bars. Do kids say that? Do they still say that? I don't know. But um, I really like her music. I still listen to it. I mean, Come On is a great one, too. There's also from the I believe it's the second album, one called I Only Wanna Dance With You mm. featuring Julian Casablancas. Oh nice. Who I think definitely just mailed in a How did he get to be in that? I think he should have been showed up and been thankful he was still included. I think probably these days he thinks that too, but it's a, it was a hopeful casual catch up piece. Yeah, it was. And I think we can feel good about it because the record is good. It's not a Katy Perry situation. So I I don't know I'm just I'm I'm excited about it and I I think Woman is like a really fun song if I was like still a camp counselor I'd be playing that for my kids while we while we clean the bunk so that's a good outcome yeah so it's not all darkness totally also really cool that she has a song with Dolly Parton that song yes. is good too yeah I don't know I I feel like a lot of these pop some of these pop stars are coming out of it like I also think Miley Cyrus is kind of like in a good way right now after a wayward few years. Yeah, did you seems... did you um, happen to catch the Cyrus family versus the cast of Riverdale on Jimmy Fallon? You know, I missed that one. So, Jimmy Fallon has appropriated the game show Family Feud. Yeah, and instead of like making it like about like a a vote or like a survey says, it's about Google searches. So it's like I so like the, the segment I watched was like, should I get my blank pierced? And then they had to guess like the top answers for the blank based on Google, which is really weird. Like, isn't that like just some kind of like IP theft? Google's IP theft? No, like Family Feud. Oh, probably yes. And it was very, it was really weird to me because Family Feud is still on the air. It's on yes. ABC. Yes, and this is an NBC show. Right. It was just really weird to me. But anyway, the whole Cyrus family was together, and I was just like, this is interesting. Yeah. It's almost like they're going the Kardashian route. I just detoured this conversation, but it just reminded me of that. Yeah, I wasn't. I have not been excited that. I have not been as excited about this phase of Miley, in part because I really loved Wrecking Ball Miley. Mm. And she's now disowning it, and I think that's insanity. And there's also, you know, Miley's place in the culture has ebbed and flowed as the years have gone on. I just, you know, in general, it's not my favorite pop moment, except for Cardi B, which is really fun. Yeah. But 
Happy for Kesha. Totally. That's good. It's it was a nice feel good read in a and I hope I hope it's that's a true, but it was we needed it. We totally. needed this piece. Totally. Um let's talk to on let's move to a, a less good feeling piece. Oh yeah, great segue. The Kate McKinnon profile last week in Vanity Fair. Oh yeah. Okay. This is this is really um core to what we discuss on this article on this podcast and it even is explicit in the article which is like this is this Kate McKinnon profile is the crisis of celebrity journalism embodied it is except here is my hot take it's not oh okay all right I hated this piece okay I did too and I you know great photos though only that's the only only note great photos she looked really good in the denim on denim and having Kate McKinnon on the cover is a great choice. Yeah. She just won the Emmy. She is the star of Saturday Night Live right now in a moment when there's a lot of tension on Saturday Night Live. Also, she's a comic genius. Mm-hmm. I hated this story, and I want to be very clear. I think the writer was done a disservice by her editors and by Vanity Fair. There are editors for a reason. Mm. You can't be in a room by yourself. I mean, you know, some people can, but they're few and far between the people who can write a perfect piece, especially a perfect 4,000 word piece alone. There are, it's hard. There are crises of confidence. That is all part of the process. And your freak out about being a writer should not then be published in a national magazine. There should be someone to say to you, it's going to be okay. And also, what if we did this? I think, so this piece is written, I wouldn't even say it's like first person. It's almost like second per. it, it reads like a second person piece, except all the user eyes still. It's very weird tone. Yeah, so every once in a while with celebrity journalism, and really with most, a lot of feature journalism, there's a stylistic trick where you go meta and you talk about the process of writing the piece, yeah. and it's usually because you don't have the reporting to sit the original version of the piece. People have done it well. Frank Sinatra has a cold is sure. the er example yeah. to which everyone has been attempting since forever in celebrity journalism. I, I'm i never a fan of it. Yeah. Because also, like, Frank Sinatra is like one of a kind. So It's true. And that's also, you can't reheat a souffle. It's that that's not, Yeah, it's been done. So I always kind of find it lazy, and I always find it self-serving. The thing about a celebrity profile is that we want to know about a celebrity. We do not want to know about the person. And there are examples of a profile where the writer and the subject have a connection and you learn about both. But if you're just writing about yourself instead of writing about the person who's on the cover of the magazine, you're not doing your job. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry that you don't know how you do your job, and I'm sorry that you got put in a bad position or the person was a bad interview. It happens to everyone, but I just – I don't understand this. I don't understand Vanity Fair's decision to run it beyond everyone is waiting for Graydon Carter to leave and is just using their expense lunches while they can. I don't I, – like, <laughs> that's my best case. It's very – My best guess. It's very weird. Um, the thing that I found the strangest about it was, like, you had lunch with Kate McKinnon – at the very least, just do a Q&A. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you don't, you know, lunch is a traditionally pretty boring sure. setting. You have to, like, describe the napkin and can what someone ordered. And yeah. they always ordered quinoa. And you're like, I don't care. But if if you're limited from an access perspective, then think of a different approach, just yeah. as you said. Or, like, make it an SNL piece. You've got this, the star of SNL. Make exactly. it an SNL piece. There also were a couple of just, like, low blows for no reason. 
um, like describing what she's looking, what she looked like. There, it was sort of like you know, usually the celebrity shows up looking like they're dressed down, but really it's like a very specific outfit and they're wearing makeup. And then it was like, but Kate McKinnon actually looked horrible, which is so rude and like unnecessary. I mean, this is the thing. This writer is sort of not. She's very put out about the situation and yeah. is taking it out on the subject instead of finding a solution. Yeah. It's and complaining then, instead of finding a solution. And there were two other moments that I thought were really unfair to Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Um, one was when also the writer mentioned that she was very touchy about uh, talking about playing Hillary Clinton. And, okay, if that's the case, why not try to unpack why that might be? Like, why, totally. why is she sick of talking about that? Or why is she uncomfortable talking about Hillary Clinton, the woman, not just the character? Like, why is that um, a fraught? ground because the writer does express surprise that that was something she didn't want to discuss and I actually get that like you would think the thing you're known for now Kate McKinnon is playing Hillary Clinton and the fact that you had dinner with her right after the election like let's talk about that so why not try to like unpack why that was a problem I think that's a great note <laughs> I think that you're a good editor <laughs> thanks um and my number three one that I thought was handled abysmally can you guess no because there are like 15 how talking about how she's a lesbian and how like yeah. how delicate it was to bring that up. It's actually not delicate. Like she she's out. She she's just like everyone else. Probably right. doesn't talk about her personal life. It's exactly. not because she's a lesbian. It's because she was like wants to have a sense of privacy. Yeah. And so like exoticizing the fact that she's a lesbian was offensive to me. Completely agree. Here's the thing. I think that it's very possible that Kate McKinnon is not the most interesting interview. Mm-hmm. Comedians often aren't actually because they're they think about being funny and performing in a different way. And so when you're supposed to perform in a your own personal setting as mm-hmm. opposed to doing a character, it it just doesn't really translate. And right. by the way, doing being a good interview, giving good quotes is a performance. Totally. That's so, why like George Clooney is good at it. Exactly. Or like um, I just was watching Julia Roberts on James Corden. She's great at it. Exactly. But you want to know what they also have been famous for over twenty years. It definitely takes time, and there are just some people who are good at it and some people yeah. who aren't, and that's fine. And if this is your job, then part of your job is finding a different way to approach that person or yeah. a different way to present them. Yeah. I could think of so many different angles. That's, I mean, the five Kate McKinnons you meet at lunch. There you go. It's, it's <laughs> almost like you do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. It was disappointing, but particularly because it feels so uh out of whack with Kate McKinnon's moment right now. Completely agree. She is, like you said, a star. Yeah. And this does not capture that. I agree. And I think also, as you said, kind of celebrity journalism is dead, which is kind of what I saw a lot in responses to this article. But it's not at all. It's just you had, like, someone didn't take it seriously. This is what we need is not navel-gazing. We need people who, like Juliette Libman, just did, will think of creative ways... (laughs) To cover these people because there's there is still an appetite. Yeah. Everyone being like, oh, we don't need it because there's social media. That's true. But then people just cover the social media instead. People want to know about famous people. They always will. It's been as true as yeah. as long as there's been humanity. It would have been more interesting to know what she ordered rather than read this article, even if it was quinoa. Just tell me what she have. I agree. What she have. All right, let's move into our segments. Bum ba da bum. There's no sound drop, so I just invented one. Amanda, what's one thing you can't stop thinking about? Army Hammer. Oh yes, Hammer season. Hammer season. Uh, what's his movie coming out? It's called Call Me by Your Name. It's out in November. Right, and it features um, Madonna's daughter's high school boyfriend, who was also on Homeland, Timothy Chalamet or something. But to me, he'll always be Loris Leone's ex-boyfriend, high school sweetheart. That's true from LaGuardia High School, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And honestly, if I were him, I would be clinging to that too. (laughs) Yes. So Army Hammer is also in it, and Army Hammer is in kind of. I think they're both in early Oscar conversations, as is the film Call Me by Your Name. Just it's been kind of a festival hit. Mm -hmm. So Army is on the campaign trail. Is his name really Army? Is it Armand? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you, so my brother is Joey, and my parents wish that he would switch to Joseph. Do okay. you think that Army's parents are like, can you just go by Armand? It's a lot more dignified. Well, no, because Armand Hammer is... Like the Hammer Museum. Yes, and is a famous kind of questionable historical oh. figure. Okay. I mean, extremely rich, sure. obviously, and has a bunch of like oil money, and I'm not really sure what was going on there. Sure. So I think probably it's better for Army to have his separate identity. Okay, fair enough. Fair and enough. also, don't you think Army's more accessible? I guess so. But is, it, is that what he's really going for, accessibility? I think, here's the thing. So as he, he's 6'5", 220, and there is Ooh. two of him, uh, which is a famous social network quote that he says, if only there were two. But he's tall. He's astonishingly handsome. I can't believe his voice is real. It is pretty. It's wild. Yeah. I wish that they would remake um, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley so that he could play the Jude Law character. Oh, that so would he, be great. So he could be Dickie. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Except that movie's perfect, so I don't want to remake it, but... Also tragic. Protect Army. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's basically a 40s movie star, but in real life. Tell me about his wife. Oh my God, Elizabeth Chambers, I'm so obsessed. <laughs> I spent so much time on her Instagram. Okay, so as best I can tell, she was a model. Uh Uh-huh. And they got married when I think Army was 24, 25, very young. She's older. And now she she runs a bakery that is based in San Antonio. It's called Bird Bakery. There may also be branch. There's definitely a branch in Dallas because she's there a lot on Instagram. Okay, cool. I once saw her on the cover of Santa Barbara magazine, and it was Elizabeth Chambers of Santa Barbara. So there might be a socialite element to this that I'm not totally oh, tracing. No one has Phenomenal. really connected the dots for me, and I'm still working on my Homeland board and second Homeland reference of the podcast. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> staying Homeland's relevant. Back. <laughs> and. They have two children. They seem to spend a lot of the time at the Beverly Hills Hotel pool. And he's, like, done some pretty ridiculous photo shoots, like, worthy of the Beverly Hills Hotel pool, in the, like, for this movie, right? The knitwear is extraordinary. He does wear a sweater well. Yeah. No one has worn a sweater this well since Drake. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really, it's really kind of, like... That's your highest compliment. I know. It's so true. But I just feel like the Army Hammer sweater meme is about to happen. But he's been on the... He was Should on the cover it? of... Yes. I, after this podcast. He was on the cover of British GQ and Out Magazine mm. and a couple other places. Also, let's not forget when he called out James Woods on Twitter. Yeah, that was great. For saying disrespectful, you know, gross trolley things about I mean, he's a man with nothing to lose, Army Hammer. That's so true. Doesn't he's only working cuz he wants it, to. It's like possibly an Oscar. He might not win, but I would like him to win. Do you think he's in the front he's in the conversation, right? He's in the conversation, but it's October. It's very early. Things okay. change. Okay. Congrats to Army. I'm happy for him. Yeah, watch this space. Follow his wife on Instagram. It's really they live a great life. I'm happy for them. Yeah, That's, me too. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, my one thing is less hopeful. How, however, also a public service by a great woman. Um, Gabrielle Union is doing some publicity for her memoir, We're Gonna Need More Wine, which 
first of all. Good title. Salute. Yes. Also reminds me of um, Jennifer Garner. Another another one of my faves. The Year of Wine. The Year of Wine, yes. Yeah. Um, if you don't follow Gabrielle Union on social media, I really recommend it. She wrote her husband, NBA champion, uh, Dwayne Wade, regularly. And she just seems like fun and she just seems dope. And so in her memoir, she um, writes about how she didn't think she was going to have kids. And then she gets married to Dwayne Wade at the age of 40. And he has um, two sons and then a nephew who he was raising as his son. And she becomes a stepmom, and she realizes she really wants to have kids, so she starts doing IVF. And she reveals in her memoir, which is excerpted in People magazine, that she had had she's had eight or nine miscarriages. Yeah, that's a lot to put your body through. And then also, it just sounds um, physically uh, traumatic for your body, and also just like emotionally so traumatic. Absolutely, and it's also a thing that no one ever talks about. Ever. An extremely common thing that no woman ever talks about. It's amazing. It's, it honestly feels like a public service that she is so open and candid about it. Yeah, I, I completely I agree. find it very moving and like, um, like sort of like the importance of it like almost underrated. And she also talks about like how it's hard. I mean, as an actress in particular, she's like, people, I'll be like, people will think I'm either um, like in my second trimester or just like really bloated and then you have to like A, answer questions then you also since her appearance is part and parcel of her profession she has to like worry about that and also it has to address it it's very complicated for someone like her and uh, miscarriage is so common and so emotionally grueling and under discussed it's like very significant for such a successful woman to be so upfront about it yeah absolutely it's always treated as a secret you know you're not even supposed to tell people that you're pregnant yeah. until a certain point because you want to hide the fact. If if there is a if miscarriage, goes, yeah. you don't want to tell people about it, which yeah. is just kind of embedded in this societal construct that we have of that it's something to be ashamed about. Totally. She, she also says in that excerpt, just the number of questions she gets as a, I believe she's 44. Yeah. A 44-year-old woman about kids and whether she wants them or whether she's going to have them. When? Why did she decide not to? Which is just, is certainly part and parcel of being a woman in the public eye, but I think you and I are both finding is just part and parcel of being a woman, woman, yeah, especially in your 30s. And it's, you know, everyone has a different answer and should be your own decision. And it's very difficult. So shout out to her. I know. For writing about all of this. I've like always really liked her. And last year, Katie Baker wrote a really good profile of her and Dwayne Wade and like kind of them being in the city of Chicago last year. And I don't know, she just like doesn't disappoint from, from bringing on till now, really since 10 Things I Hate About You till now. I've got no complaints about Miss Gabrielle Union. She's seriously so good. Such a good social media follow. I also really recommend Being Mary Jane. Yeah, I've heard it's great. I've actually never watched Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Maybe I'll catch up on that. That's, you, yeah. You've given me a to-do list of the bold type in Being Mary Jane. What a time for you in television. <laughs> really. That's just a great one, too. I'll, I'm busy this weekend. Okay. Is it a 30-minute show or an hour? It's an hour. They're both hours. Okay. Sorry. But no, they're, they're, 40, no, but no, they're 42 it, minutes because they're, they're on. They have I prefer that. And okay. also another thing with Capital Union, last year, the... The production company that she does be Mary Jane with try to like fuck her over and try to like break up a season into two parts so that it basically would pay her less. And she was like, no, 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 pay me what I'm owed. And I appreciate that. I, I, at, at first was like women in Hollywood fighting for like equal pay. I'm like, cool, good job. You're so really rich. But I, um, regret that stance. And I'm like, actually, this is meaningful for women in high profile positions to fight for that it does mean something. Again, it's another thing. Another conversation that is often had in private and yeah. with shame attached to it that is now being had in public. Yeah, exactly. That's, to make women feel more comfortable. That's kind of the moral of the story of this yeah. podcast. Let's talk about it. 
Let's talk about it. It's actually like I I feel weirdly happy to like have this forum with you to be able to talk about these I things. I do too. Actually. Yes. <laughs> thank is... you for talking about all of it with me. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really nice. So in conclusion, respect to Ashley Judd, Kesha, Pink, Gabrielle Union, and base and every single woman listening to this podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been um, a time, a time to be alive. <laughs>